0: Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now.
1: Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. It's a beautiful Friday, depending on where you're watching or listening from. I am your host, Ron Johnson. My producer, Sam Ekstrom, will be joining us shortly. But on today's show, I'm excited because we have first round draft pick Lewis Seen out of the University of Georgia. And if you know what Georgia football is about, you saw the national championship, you've seen the battles with Alabama, that's going to be a fun one. But I mean, he's the Vikings first round pick. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't know too many other shows that have had him just yet. So we're going to get him early and get him out to the world. Also, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Wild, of course, and then we're going to have the Daily 3. That's three questions, three minutes. See if Sam can stump me today with some of his questions. Well, as we start off the show, it's hockey season. We know that. The Timberwolves are done. Pat Beverly's still tweeting. Birds are chirping. Pat Beverly, I can respect the fact that he said, today his tweet today said something about he ended or the Timberwolves ended LA basketball. Clippers and Lakers both were eliminated uh, at the hands of the Timberwolves. He also then hashtag petty tweet, So at least he understands. And he said, angry we lost tweet. Uh, you know, that was his other hashtag. So I can respect the fact that he understands what he's done and what's going on and that he's just being petty and he's bored. Um, you know, he, he did hashtag Cancun basketball. Like, at least he can understand he's being petty. So I can appreciate the pettiness of his tweet. Some fans don't get it. Everybody's responses to him are, oh, you lost. Shut up. You're done. Uh, why did you guys win? Uh, you know, why not tweet? You know, instead of tweeting, why not go work on basketball? All that crap, you know, all the responses you get. But at the end of the day, the man's just being petty. He's having fun. Uh, the world didn't end. Yes, your team lost, but the world did not end. So I can appreciate Pat Beverly. But going on to a team that's still in the playoffs, and as we bring Sam in, I, the discussion of of, of Mark Andrew, uh, Andrew Flory and Cam Talbot, should Flory be in the pipes? or should it be cam Talbot now early on I was team Talbot why because I I live by the mighty ducks mantra whoever was there should start it out and then you bring the superstar in after but listening to the fans as you know I was at game two and listening to the fans talk mainly this one lady I don't I wish I had turned around to see her but I don't know what she looked like she might have been in my selfie video when I was selfie in that that third I think or fourth goal so that might be her with the mask going behind me. I'd I never actually turned around because she talked the entire game. And so she brought up like because the other guy sitting next to her must have been a noob just like me or a, a casual and she's given him all the rundown of like flurry and how he's, you know, 500 some games, all this other crap. He's experienced. You know, He he's won before. Uh, he's had playoff experience. And so, you know, but she was nervous uh, here and there whenever he would come out of the, the, the net, and you know, skate out a little too far. And if there's a quick shot across or quick pass across the, the nets unguarded or unprotected. So listening to her talk about his experience i get it now i do understand that there's something to experience especially in the playoffs uh rocky start earlier i don't think his player his his teammates were laying their their bodies on the line Uh, i don't think they were taking pucks to the ear and to the head and to the neck uh just to stop you know him having to get a, a second shot or even a rebound shot um when you think about cleaning up the house, guys still around the net as the rebounds are popping up. Where are the guys at to box out, clear out the area so that even off the rebound, the goalkeeper can sit on it? Um, I, I'm still going to say now, so this is the thing. When we get back to the show Monday, Sam's scenarios, the Wild and the Blues could be 2-2 two to two, or it could be 3-1 Wild or 3-1 uh, Blues. Who's it going to be? I... Think that it's gonna be 2-2. Two, two. I just think they're gonna split in St. Louis. Uh, I think it's hard to win on the road, but I also think it's hard to beat us the same team twice. Um, the break and the travel, I think the 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 wild have it. They can they can put that doubt in their head and get them down two-one early. And then I think the Blues are gonna close it out and win game four. Uh, it's gonna be two to two. Uh, I think Flurry's gonna do just fine. I think it's gonna be uh continued pace of what we've seen which is you gotta put up goals because no lead is safe uh especially with these two teams uh but i think the wild in order to go up 3-1 i don't think the blues will I, I just don't but to go up 3-1 for the wild they have to to lay their bodies on the other i mean they have to play heavy they're big they're they're strong they're tall um they have to they have to put their bodies on there delorier the he has to continue to enforce. He has to lay on guys. He has to just continue to just wear them down, so those lines are not in there. You know, so they're just as they're out there, they're skating hunched over. They're tired. I think that's going to be the key. The Wild have to wear them down physically. Um, we know what Kirill Kaprizov could do, but you got to wear them down. You got to you got to physically. I mean, like 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 our, our guest is going to say you got to impose your will. You got to make them want to quit. You got to make sure like when they're skating into that crease or they're in that corner and they got to you know they got to dig a puck out. Their head's on a swivel because they know like, oh, man, somebody's coming to kill me. If you don't get physical and you don't get greasy and you don't bang, guys aren't nervous when they're, you know, when they're backs to the to the to the action. They're just like, all right, I'm gonna get this puck out of here. La 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 la. la. I'm gonna just go. You got to bang them into the wall. You got to make sure that they know I don't have a lot of time to mess around with this puck. And so then that shot coming out of that corner is not perfect. It's not great. It's just a rush shot to get it out. Um, I think that's the thing is that the wild will have to do in both games because you're in their you're in their arena. And so they have that added energy. Um, you saw with the wild, uh the first game didn't go well, but the second game being there, you saw that with the fans. You saw the wild feeding off of it. You saw when guys were, you know, three to four guys up against the glass, you saw the 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 home fans banging on the glass, you know, you know, cheering their guys on. That that gives you energy when you're got when you're when your people are with you. And so that's what the Blues are going to try to feed off of their home crowd. But if the if the Wild can take them out of it early and really put doubt in their head and really continue to break Huso's will, he's not going to hear Huso sucks in St. Louis. Well, he might. Who know? Ne- you never know. Um, but if they can continue to put doubt in his head, even um, you know, when you're young, it, it mentally this game is. I mean, look at Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons didn't want to play because he didn't want to have to shoot free throws down the stretch. That doubt can creep in, Sam. What do you think? Three, one, two, two.
0: I also feel 2-2, two, two, but I feel 2-2 two, two, reverse of you. I think the Wild have an opening here to win game three. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blues have defensemen out galore. Marco Scandella, Nick Letty, Robert Bertuzzo. Um, they might be back for game four. I don't know, but they're not going to be in for game three most likely. So if the Wild can get their forwards against uh, in a favorable matchup against their their fifth and sixth and even like a seventh defenseman, I think that gives them a chance to rack up the goal count again. They already scored, scored six in game two. They kind of kind of figured out Husso a little bit, mm-hmm. broke his confidence. I think if they can leverage that into a game three win, then game four, you don't have any pressure. Then all the pressure's on St. Louis. Right. I feel like Minnesota wins tonight.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, and so that I'm with you. That's. I think that's. That, that was my point. I think they can. I think coming off the win they came off of. I think that first game in St. Louis. I think they can win it. They just got to put doubt in Huso's head. I think he's there. I think he's Ben Simmons in this. I mean, not say he's going to Ben Simmons the thing. I think he has that potential because when you're young, um, you mentally can get thrown off. You know, like guys that are great shooters, all of a sudden they miss a couple and then they end up going, you know, two for 20 in a game. And everybody's like, man, what the heck? And and that person's just short arming it a little bit, you know, so they're not getting the slap all the way back. They're not really, you know, getting their their body into the to the to the shot on goal because they they want to be perfect versus just letting that thing fly and 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 hope that you know you're on target. And if you're not, it's hard enough that it's going to rebound to one of your guys and your teams there to uh scoop it in and get it in. Um, that's where I think that's gonna be the key. Also on on fast breaks, too. Um, and then some of the penalties, you know. I I hope, and I know it's not like basketball where the coaches kind of rag on the refs, and you know, then the refs pay attention. I just hope that the coaches, you know, because hockey is gentleman's sport, I guess you'll say, you know, they've had that conversation with, hey, these guys are they're 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 being a little bit uh flamboyant with some of their motions after somebody mm-hmm. just touches them. Um so that embellishment call, you know, I like that. If that I, I think the wild have some embellishment coming. Um, but you know, you made up a great point. Like guys being hurt, guys being out, key guys being out, guys taking pucks to the head. Um, yeah, when you miss a game. Now that 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 line that was supposed to be line three has moved up to line one or two, or you got to mix up the lineup now. And this line hasn't played together, and that chemistry's not there. This guy doesn't realize this guy skates this fast. The passes are just a little bit off, and the wild can capitalize on on a turnover where it's just a bad pass or a, 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 you know just they don't mentally know like you know guys you play with a bunch and where they're gonna be. Like, you know, if I'm skating here, he's going to be here. I got to make this pass here because he knows it's coming. I got to hit the, you know, I know he's going to fake it and then pass it to me. So I'm ready, you know, versus when he's about to, you think he's going to shoot and everybody turns, you know, to kind of head towards the goal, the net fakes it. Boom. He knows the guy's there. So I think that's the key. I think they can get it done, but they have to, um, they have to play well and and uh, and capitalize on their mistakes. But up next, I'm excited about this one. We got first-round draft pick Lewis C. out of Georgia. Uh, he's a heavy hitter. He's going to be a staple in the Vikings' defense, in my opinion. Um, and when we come back, he'll be up. But first, make sure you check out our other daily show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's Superior Sports Talk with Carol Levin's sports director, Reggie Wilson, and Luke Inman. Here, Reggie and Luke go back and forth about the latest Minnesota sports five days a week. Find it on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast feeds. Up next on the Ron Johnson Show, we're going to have first-round draft pick Lewis seen out of Georgia. 6'2", 200-pound, two, I mean, just weapon. That's what I'm going to call him. He's a weapon. He's weapon six. I'm a big Marvel Comics guy so in, in D.C., so if you know Weapon X from uh, the X-Men, I think he's that guy. I think he's the Swiss Army knife that can do it all. They're going to use him in different situations. We know Ed Donatel's defense is a move around defense, and this is a kid that can do it. Lewis, man, welcome to the Ron Johnson Show. I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to start out first with, I got drafted by the Baltimore Ravens in the fourth round 20 years ago. So I feel old now talking to you, because I don't even think you were born, or you might have just been. Because How old are you, 20? 22. Yeah, yeah. So you were a baby. You were born in 2003 or 2002?
2: 99.
1: Ninety nine. Okay, so you were about two or three years old when I got drafted. So I went to the Baltimore Ravens. I was super nervous. Um, I was the ninth receiver overall taken. So I was coming in. They were like, hey, you're going to play right away. So I ended up being a third receiver play right away. But I was not so much caught up in the offensive teammates, but I had a teammate by the name of Ray Lewis. Um, who everybody knew did the dance, you know, so I couldn't wait to be in that huddle for the, you know, the first game and, and, and see Ray come out the tunnel and do that dance and just the goosebumps being on Monday night. Um, when you sit back and look at your teammates, because there's a lot of great teammates on that defense. Um, you still got Justin Jefferson on offense, but I know you and Justin LSU, George, I know there's some some rivalry stuff there. Um, but but who are you most excited about to get into that locker room and, and, and you know, learn from, meet, and just hang out with? um i already
2: said this i think in a couple other interviews i'm really excited to learn from um harrison okay um you know he has a whole lot of experience he knows a whole lot about the game he's a great safety that's been like in the league for a long time playing elite ball but that's someone i want i want to get to learn from
1: okay and so in lsu georgia you guys have had your you know your stuff you got alabama in there too but have you gotten a big hit on Justin Jefferson? No. no. <laughs> I, and frankly,
2: I don't. I don't think. I don't think I'm going to get allowed to. Oh no, you are definitely not anymore. Yeah, no, I, you can't, I can't touch, him touch him no more. Him, you're done. I, they ain't going to let me touch him.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, no. He's coming across the middle. You got to hold up. You got to yeah, pull up. You know, he's going to have a red jersey on like a quarterback. Yeah, no, you can't. Can't touch the franchise. But can't touch him. <laughs> but 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 looking at um, you know his. I mean, you've seen his international now. The gritty. Can you gritty?
2: No man, I, I can't agree. I don't <laughs> even know the ins and outs about it, you know. But but I do appreciate his talents and his skills. Once, you know, he makes a big player a touchdown. You know, he he makes his presence known with the dance.
1: Because I've seen some of your corners do it. I've seen some of your guys do it. So have you even? Oh, tried I'm it? not that flashy, man. I'm not that okay. <laughs> so you're not the dancing guy. Nah. All right. So Lewis, when you see this defense, you got Harrison Smith. You got Daniel Hunter. Darius Smith. Um, you got all these guys, you know, you got some Eric Kendricks, you know, you got some big name guys that have been in this league, Patrick Peterson, future hall of famer. Um, how, what do you, what do you think your role is going to be as kind of coming in? Uh, you're basically competing with Cam Bynum, but you know, we know Cam Bynum play cornerback in college. So there's some things there. I think they can move him around as well to cover in the slot. Um, what, what do you see your role being with this defense? Um, First thing
2: is really uh, coming in, being a sponge, you know, I got to come in with the mindset of learning because, you know, it's new system. It's um, everything's going to be new to me. So I got to be able to learn it and, you know, to soak in all the information they're given to me. And two, I got to be able to, you know, listen, not only listen to the coaches, but listen to some of the words of the older guys. You know, I, I'm already known most guys are going to be are not going to want to help me and some guys might take me under their wing. I mean, that's part of, part of the game. Most guys don't want, you know, it's competition at the end of that. I already know that, but I think my role is just, you know, coming in and learning um, and gaining the respects of the older guys. Cause that's how, you know, that's the way to get on the field. They got to accept me if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so like in my draft class, I had Roy Williams, cornerback out of Oklahoma, went to the Cowboys, eighth pick overall. Ryan Clark was in my class as well, undrafted. Um, and then Ed Reed, you know, he, he's the Hall of Famer in our group now. Um, and and he was one of the best safeties I've ever seen in my life. You know, we both walked in the locker room together. We were both, you know, uh, we knew we'd make the team just because we looked at the way the roster was made up. I mean, unless we absolutely had a horrible camp. Um, you know, I knew he was good for sure. I knew for me, it's just I couldn't have a horrible camp. Um but when you look at guys like Ryan Clark, he was on my show and he spoke highly of you. Roy Williams as well. Roy Williams. I mean, you've seen highlights. He's a hitter. Um, he has a ton of respect for you. What does it feel like now to see, you know, these Hall of Fame, you know, big name cornerback safeties that now when your name pops up on ESPN because of the whole Kyle Hamilton versus Lewis scene conversation uh, that these guys are watching you now?
2: Uh, you know, I really appreciate them. Um, you know, they're, they're the OGs in the game, you know. They have, a, they have a big resume, a resume that speaks for themselves in terms of years of experience, um, highlight reel, you know, things they've done. So those guys, i watch film on them a whole lot, you know, takes piece, have taken pieces from their game. And the fact, you know, they're watching me now, it's kind of dope, you know. So you know, the, only, the best thing I can do, you know, is, you know, pick their minds, you know, ask them, like, what was their experience like? Uh, what's some of the things they went through? So, you know. I can maneuver the game a right way.
1: Yeah, and so when you look at, you know, you, you got Kyle Hamilton. I bring that up because because Roy made a great comment. Roy was on my show yesterday, and he made a great comment about Ed Reed. And, and so looking at Ed Reed now, people always, you know, there's always debates. That's that's what the media's job is. And people are saying, man, the Cowboys or somebody else should have picked Ed Reed, and he fell to 24. Um, but Ed took that personal uh ed always felt like he was the best safety in the draft and he you saw it when he stepped on the field he every day we went out there he tried to make a play i mean i got two touchdowns because of him on a pot on a pump block like the kid was out there on pump block blocking punts um you know him myself bart scott and so i i really always loved you know when i got a chance to be on pump block with ed because i knew something was going to happen you know when you look at kyle hamilton um do you, do you now think, you know, you guys have like a friendship but a rivalry as well because you're going to be tied to each other for a while?
2: Uh, yeah, I got the most respect for Kyle. Um, you know, I got to meet him in the process, the combine process and, you know, the, this whole um, going into the NFL process really. I've gotten to know him. He's a cool dude, uh, you know, real humble about the way he, he goes. And at the end of the day, I'm not in competition with Kyle. I'm in competition with Lewis. Yeah. You know, it's, it's about day in and day out being the best me I can be. I mean, once I get to the NFL, it's not only Kyle anymore. It's just everyone. Right. That makes sense. So, yeah, I'll be doing my disservice comparing myself to someone else. So I just got to be me. Upgrade um, myself to the best way I can. And, you know, just let the film speaks for itself and let productivity speak for themselves at
1: the end of the day. Yeah, man, you got something that's elusive that a lot of players, I mean, a lot of players want. And that's a championship. Uh, so you have a championship mindset. And there's people out there that always want to talk to champions. You know, you hear Tim Tebow talk about it. You hear all these guys talk about championships and, and what that season was like. Um, how does that championship you know, how does that help you, and, and what can you bring to this locker room uh, for a team that's kind of been on the cusp at times and then, you know, just couldn't get over the hump? What kind of championship mindset can you bring to the locker room?
2: Oh, for one, like, a lot of people might ask, like, how is a rookie going to help, like, a established team really get over a hump? I mean, it only takes one player from time to time. Like, let's use the Bangers as an example. I need to borrow and chase being there to change yeah. everything for them. So um, personally, I know what it takes because um, I'm not saying this is in a cocky manner, but the places I've gone, I've won and I've won championships, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. So I
2: know what it takes. I know the the grit. I know the hard work. I know the hours. I, I just ha- know what it takes. So, I'll, you know, I'll replicate that going to the Vikings and, you know, hope the, hope everything goes well going forward.
1: And so let's have a fun one, man. Have you, have you been to the mall America yet? Never been, but, <laughs> but are you a shopper I'm in
2: Texas right now? Because I'm in Texas right now. I hear yeah. a lot about it and how big it is.
1: Okay. So, so that's my, my next question then. Are you a shopper and are you excited about your day off? Uh, Cause a lot of the players do it anyway. I mean, every time I go to the mall, um, I run into some, you know, I've seen Mackenzie Alexander out at the mall. We've chopped it up. I've seen Daniel Hunter at the mall, of course. Uh, you know, we've talked Harrison Smith, you know, he's out there. So, you know, and it's not that far from Egan. Like It's literally right down the road. Are you excited about just getting out there, four floors of stores, there's an amusement park in the middle and just, you know, kind of hanging out, relaxing, you know, and, and just decompressing at times and buying some stuff. I mean, you got to have money now.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I'm not really a, a thirsty guy in terms of, you know, going to shop. Okay, but I'm sure my daughter does so, you know, <laughs> with her Dude, she's gonna wanna go to every store. so I, I'm definitely gonna check it out. how
1: old, now how old is she? Uh, she's
2: she's about to be five.
1: okay, yeah, so I have a seven year old so I know that feeling. so oh, no. trust me, uh start off in 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 Camp Snoopy stuff first. It's not even called that anymore. I think it's like uh Nickelodeon uh, so start that's in the middle has roller coasters rides, all kinds of stuff. Tire her out first and then shop that way shopping she gets less and less like amped up and but no it, oh, it's dude. fun man <laughs> um
2: i i used to she used to want to go to every store so <laughs> by the end I used to be like oh no I don't want you to see this so
1: <laughs> you gotta pick her up and carry her
2: out yeah dude it's like all right, i don't want you to see this store we're not going in there
1: well man uh you know I'm looking forward to meeting you looking forward to uh seeing you out in the field I know Vikings fans are excited i like the six the hard way i think that's 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 dope man like Single digits were not a thing, uh, but now they are, and NFL players are taking advantage, and you're you're one of the early ones as well that's going to kind of put your mark on this team. Six has not been a number we've seen on the defense, so it's yours to carve out what it's going to look like, but I want to thank Lewis Seen for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show, and fans, make sure you follow him on social media. He is definitely uh, a humble guy, but it's going to be some fun this year with him. Appreciate you, Lewis. Thank you for having me, Ron. And up next, we got the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes. But first, do you want smart post game reaction from the insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Get instant reactions from our Locked On Sports teams hosts with prominent reporters like Kevin Gore for the Wild, Brandon Warren for the Twins, and Chelanga Langison for the Timberwolves. No fluff, just 10 minutes of straight analysis after each game. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube and never miss a podcast. Well, it's my favorite time. It's the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes. Take it away, Sam.
0: All right. We've got a Vikings kicking competition. Yes, indeed. The Vikings have signed a UDFA kicker, Gabe Berkich from Oklahoma. This guy is big. 6'3", 200 pounds, was 83% on field goals in college. So, Ron, kicker competition, who you got between Greg Joseph and Gabe Berkich? So,
1: I do know kickers, it's not about being drafted. Um, I think the biggest thing with kickers is just being able to make sure uh, they have the confidence. Greg Joseph, we know he's made some big kicks. Uh, We know he was able to, you know, after what two years of just this this weird kicking carousel um you go all the way back to you know making a mistake on a kid in Daniel Carlson and cutting him too soon in my opinion uh not being able to uh grow and 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 comfort him and make him feel okay about some of his misses <laughs> against the Packers um he goes on to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and he's pretty good Gets good Like it went to the playoffs. Really good. Um, So when you look at this competition, I think competition is key. You can never let anybody come into the building. I learned this early. Um, I just saw another guy that I played with for the Ravens post this yesterday. And he said, and I forgot one of our coaches used to say this all the time, but he's like, man, every day you got to earn your spot. You got to pay rent to be here and rent is due. And every day he would say that rent is due, and so this is not one of those month-to-month sports where you can take your time and you know have a bad day here, bad day there. Have twenty-nine bad days, and then on that thirtieth day, you're like, "Oh, hey, I found the money. Here's here's my rent money." It doesn't work in football like that. Like it's it's this is a this is a quick reaction. This is a gut reaction. Um, coaches don't have the holy grail of of setting rosters. They go off a of feel. They go off of when they're at practice, and we're all out there, too, uh, for training camp, and we're watching the games in preseason. you, you got to go off of who looks good, who feels good. I mean, I've been in that locker room. I've been a coach. Um, I remember watching Pierre Garçon versus Roy Hall. Roy Hall was out of Ohio State, you know, 6'4", 230-pound, just muscle-bound you know, dude, and Roy was good. Roy did some, some injury issues. I told Roy he should be a tight end because as big as he was, gain gain 20 more pounds, dude, and go play tight end. Uh well, Roy's injuries kind of took over for him. But you look at a kid out of Ohio State versus a kid out of Mount Union, everybody would assume, man, we got to go with the Ohio State guy. Cause they also had Anthony Gonzalez out of Ohio State. And so it just seemed like Ohio State guys, yeah, let's let's take the pro guy. But But Pierre Garçon, when you watched him, he fit. And so I think with the kickers, it's going to be the same thing. You got to watch who fits, who kind of makes the team feel comfortable when he's going out to make a kick. You know, Do you feel that butterfly in your stomach every time he's – now maybe it's just Minnesota kickers that everybody always feels butterflies with every single kick. Um, But, yeah, I I think it's going to be interesting to have a competition. I think it's worth it. But I'm going to go with Greg Joseph just now just because we know he's been here. He knows the pressure of kicking an NFL game. Uh, But the one common – thread of this and the one equalizer the one denzel washington in this is this is a new staff so they don't know anybody they don't know that the scouts know the kickers but these coaches don't you know so hey it's anybody's game and that's that's the only problem with greg joseph is this staff does not know him they're going to know both kickers the same when they walk out in the field this year it's going to be anybody's game but i'm going to go greg joseph just because he's been here
0: Yeah, Joseph was a tough evaluation last year because he hit some huge kicks and he missed some huge kicks. You know, he missed a big one in the Panthers game, in the Cardinals game, in the Lions game. Um, But he hit some big ones too. So I know he ended the season strongly, but I I think there's room to improve from Joseph and find your next Harrison Butker or even, hey, the next Daniel Carlson. Find a kicker of of that caliber. Um, Maybe Burkich is the guy. Got to see him kick, see what his leg is like. But based on his size... I assume he's got one of those 60-yard legs. So right. I kind of like the rookie. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, Todd McShay, in his fresh mock for the 2023 draft, Ron, has five quarterbacks being taken in the top nine. So if the Vikings want to find the successor to Kirk Cousins, do they need to get one of those five? Does that mean they need to trade up and get in one of those spots next year? Uh, No.
1: So this is the thing. It could be a yes, but I'm going to go with no now just because every year these guys make these mocks. If you think about last year, they had the same thought going in early. They thought this was going to be a great year. Um, Not great, sorry, but they thought here's the quarterbacks because originally it was all those quarterbacks we talked about, Matt Corral, all these other – everybody was up there. Everybody was in the first round. And then as the draft process started – Malik Willis, you know, he slowly dropped out of the first round. Matt Corral, he slowly dropped out of the first round. All these guys start going down and down. Kenny Pickett, you know, they somebody thought there was going to be a quarterback taking at number two at one point. They thought the Lions should get Malik Willis at two. Like when they like after Malik Willis did that that turnaround, Patless you know, flip throw 60 yards, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, that's the best throw I've seen. Then another quarterback comes out, he flips his hips and jumps in the air and throws the ball 80 yards. Oh my God, that's the best throw I've seen. And then some smart persons tweet it. These guys don't have anybody rushing at them. They don't have pads on. What are we cheering for? And slowly but surely people went back down to earth. They start watching film. They start thinking about what teams need and it changed. So that's what Tom McShay gets paid to do is to do that to make all these teams think the same thing. Who's going to tank for whoever? Who's going to tank for Trevor? Who's going to tank for this guy? No, I don't think they need to trade up to get there. Now, do they have the capital? If they had gotten another first round or or, or like that would have been the key. A first round pick for the Lions put you probably in the top five next year. And that's why I think they should have tried to take the Lions 2023 pick to give them the ninth pick or 12th pick, sorry. Um, Or even a second rounder because you could package your two second rounders to get another first. Um, I just don't know if they have the capital or would be worth it to jump up there. Again, unless there's the next Ben Roethlisberger, um, you know, Eli Manning or whatever that group was, Phillip Rivers, like unless there's like a quote unquote, okay, this is a no miss talent, Trevor Lawrence type Heisman trophy winner. Um, I just don't know because even the kid out of Alabama, like Mac Jones is good. Um, but I think that's the system. I think Tom Brady, you know, he he benefited from the system. So I just don't know if there's a quarterback right now. I mean, that's me right now. This is this is right after the season ended. Looking at the guys coming back, I personally just don't see it. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's so hard. I mean, we have to see what Kirk Cousins looks like this year in this offense. Because if he looks great in this offense, he's been healthy. He is getting older, though. Um, there could be a better way to go about that. Um, you know, whether it is trading for a guy like like look at Tannehill from Miami to Tennessee. Miami got him early, did not work out for him, went to Tennessee. Now he's great. Uh, maybe there's a guy out there like that. Maybe Malik Willis spends two years in Tennessee and comes to Minnesota. Um, you know, maybe Desmond Ritter, you know, spends a couple seasons and then he comes to Minnesota. Like there are some guys out there that might, t- you know, might fail. And then the Vikings, you know, with Kevin O'Connell, turn him into a great quarterback. You just never know.
0: Yeah, it feels like the Vikings are going to be just good enough to be sort of on the outside of of getting those elite quarterbacks. But if if everyone's saying that this class is really loaded at quarterback and Kirk Cousins has an expiring contract, I would love to have the plan in place, the successor in place for that final year of Kirk's deal. Right. Um, yeah. But so much has to happen between now and then. We'll see where the Vikings are picking. Um, I think that's probably the the biggest part of this. So. Hmm. Twins manager Rocco Baldelli is out with COVID-19. Uh, he's replaced by assistant coach Jace Tingler on the bench. So here's what I'm thinking, Ron. Here's my question for you. What sport is most difficult for an assistant coach to step in and be the head coach for a day or for several days? Um, selfishly, I'm going to go football.
1: And this is the reason why. Most teams have an assistant head coach. So that person is already ready to step in. The problem with that sometimes though, is that person is the defense or offensive coordinator. So now your week's duties where I got to get my offense or my defense ready to go. Um, But in Kevin O'Connell's case, my, my thought, and I don't know we'll have to see this is that just like his, his former boss, uh, Sean McVay, he's going to call the plays. Like, I think he wants this to be his offense. He's going to call the play. We see a lot more of that now with head coaches, Andy Reid, Sean McVay, uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, like these guys, you know, Shanahan, these guys are calling their offenses. You know, Belichick defense calls his defense. Zimmer called his defense. You know, coaches now, if their fingerprints on that thing, they're calling it. There's a not a lot of like Mike Tomlin, hands off. Tony Dungy hands off. Um, Bruce Arians, hands off. Um, there's, a, there's not too many CEOs. P.J. Fleck, you know, CEO, hands off. Um, Kevin O'Connell, I think that would be tough for the assistant to come in, not only have to take his job over, but also call the plays. Now, we do know in football, though, just because you're on COVID protocols doesn't mean you can't have a headset and be wired in to the team uh now with with ways to like get a coach into the stadium early get him in his own suite um and put a headset on him in the suite so he could have his own suite and he can you know help out uh from somewhere quarantined inside the stadium I mean I know there's ways around it now because of the relaxed rules but I'd say football I feel like basketball basketball like if you have LeBron LeBron's gonna get it going um you know I just think there's so you know, like the Warriors. If Steve Kerr is out, they're going to get it going. Pop gets himself ejected on purpose sometimes just so he can let this assistant <laughs> coach, coach, he can go to the locker room and hang out. Like, you can tell because he'll get ejected and smile at the camera because he's like, yeah, I, I'm done anyway. I'm out of here. I, let me go out in, in, in a blazing glory. Um, baseball, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it being as tough. Uh, the managers are in the dugout anyway. You have your first base and uh, third base coaches. Uh, there's so much going on in baseball. Uh hockey. Uh I could see hockey though because of the line changes, some of the decisions that have to be made. Um, uh, but again, it's the players on the ice making it. There's not a lot of play calling in hockey. It's more of just line changes, when to get guys in and out, who should be on what line. But again, with COVID, you can make those decisions anyway and give them the lineups. And and then, you know, from there he has to then go do the in-game stuff. Um, you know, the challenges, whatever it might be. But I'm gonna go football. There's too many moving parts in football for when the head coach is out it's tough for the game because there's so much that i mean the challenges the red flag who's going to be you know who's going to be in who should be out you know this guy's hurt do i play him do i not play so there's a lot that goes into that i think football is the
0: one i think you're right i just think there's so many high leverage decisions in the course of a football game run or pass uh go for it don't go for it you know uh kick a field goal or punt Like there's so many decisions like that, and that doesn't include adjustments you have to make schematically, challenge flags, clock management, um, probably football. I think basketball is next because you got to look for those defensive matchups. You got to watch foul trouble. You got it. Now you got to challenge plays occasionally. I think basketball, then hockey, and then baseball is just so slow that you have enough time to process every decision kind of in your mind before it happens. Right. Um, So that's probably the order I would go.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Well, that'll do it for the Ron Johnson show. I want to thank everybody for listening. But next week, Monday, I'm excited. Another rookie, a Caleb Evans out of Missouri. Another guy I was high on, another powerful, explosive uh, cornerback that Ryan Clark mentioned. So we're going to have him on the show next week. Looking forward to that interview. But please subscribe to the Ron Johnson show and Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend.